Travelers, it's your man, Just GQ, and you are tuned in to another episode of The Travel Guides, the podcast dedicated to making travel easy for everyday people like you and me. Welcome to level eight of 2020. It is August. Cannot believe that it is. We have been living in a corona world for five months officially now. So, but we've made it. We've made it this far. So, you know, let's keep the positive energy, positive vibes. Let's keep them rolling and on tap. As is customary, if you have not subscribed to the Travel Guys podcast, please do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, so what is in the news? Let's get into it. What's in the news is that planes are turning around due to anti-maskers. So a lot of folks are, you know, getting on planes and arrogantly so. We've had a few that have been, that have a few videos that have gone viral. I think the most famous case as of right now is the Delta flight that actually was going from Detroit down to Atlanta. It always had to be Georgia. Georgia had to be in there. But they turned around midway because, and I use midway generally. I have no idea how far into the voyage they were, but they turned around because someone refused to wear a mask. And I can tell you that on the flight that I took, that was not that was not even an issue. But I was also in my hazmat suit, so it wasn't gonna make much never mind to me anyway. So but we but yeah, that was not a, that was not an issue. I did get a couple personal accounts from United Flights and a Southwest flight that these people were also forcibly removed from and I use forcibly probably a little hyperbolically, but they were they were removed from the plane. And I got to say, I love it. <laughs> I love to see it, man. I love to see it. These these folks don't want to. It is, it is a matter of personal decency in my in my mind. And I, I think just really having empathy and regard for others. And if you can't do that from at a basic level, no one is suffocating in a mask. That is not that's not a thing. And I think we've seen several videos of how many masks our medical professionals are wearing every day for hours on end. So it is not going to kill you to wear a mask for five for a five minute run to the store or for a two hour flight. Hell or for a five hour flight. You will be I okay. So that's just I just am not really rocking with that. But you know who is rocking with that is Josh President. That's it. Because the White House said no and Trump's Trump's administration said no to an airline face mask mandate, which from what I can synthesize doesn't mean much of anything. It just means that they're making their position clear because as we know, all of the major airlines have come together in a, in a similar train of thought and banning their, or excuse me, in mandating face masks. And it, it seems that even more have come to, uh, are coming on board with the, with the blocking of the middle seats. I know Alaskan Air is blocking middle seats and, and a few others. So it seems that the trend is going one way, regardless of whether the, you know, 45's administration wants to be on the right or wrong side of history. But, you know, I, I have always maintained the same piece. And I, I was talking to my parents about this, 
yesterday and it and it was just reiterated when they were going every which way and saying masks were mandated masks weren't needed they helped they didn't help i was like look man at the end of the day you got to rely on common sense which as we know is not that common but you got to rely on common sense and cleanliness and that being said like i don't care if the president the mayor the governor whoever got to say anything about what i'm doing i'm worried about keeping myself and those around me as safe as possible. So I'm just going to lean on my own germophobia, <laughs> my own supplies, mask up, wash your hands, do everything that you got to do. Because I tell you what, for everybody who's trying and we're all, you know, all the travelers, you know, we, we trying to get up out of here. We're trying to, we're trying to move around. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Like how, where can we go? How can we get there? X, Y, Z. And people are moving around without really publicizing it as well. So, you know, if it, this is very similar to, you know, somebody does too much, like with your days in school, somebody does too much, you ruin it for the class. So in the in the interest of keeping travel alive for the travel fan, please mind your PPE and your precautions, please. And thank you. Also in the news, an update on the EU's approved countries. Spoiler alert. The U.S. is not on it. <laughs> So they've been updating the list. And as of last Thursday, the list of countries that are approved for travel to the EU include Australia, Canada, Georgia, not the state, the country, Japan, Morocco, New Zealand, Rwanda, South Korea, Thailand, Tanzania, Uruguay and China. So, you know, I think it's going to be a while before we get back to Europe, to be all the way honest. I know that, I think the the UK, I, I think the UK has some yellow states where we can, you know, 14-day quarantine and all that action, but is that really what you want to do? Is that really what you want to do? There are places in the states, there are places that are closer in proximity that are abroad where you don't have to do that. So I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to chill out on Europe until 2021, 2022, just because I'm, I'm just personally not super pressed to get over there. But, you know, if that is your ministry, then more power to you. We will definitely keep the updates rolling. What is on my mind right now is for everyone who has not, and I am in that class, to complete the 2020 census. The deadline was previously October 31st. And that has been casually removed from publications because they are stopping the door-to-door solicitation of the information. And, you know, we want to be represented. So make sure that you are doing your census and get that completed as quickly as possible so that you don't miss the deadline. I would definitely aim in the next four weeks in terms of getting that done. So please, so that we can get accounted for. You can do so at 2020census.gov, 2020census.gov. And, you know, that's it. We're going to keep it brief today. But we've got a great episode with John. John has, he is at the John Robert on Instagram. He has been on everybody's accounts. This man bought a one-way flight to Tulum. <laughs> He's been down there for a month so far, and he is just living his best quarantine life down there. He keeps the flicks coming left and right and is giving us a firsthand account, you know, 
Tulum is hot right now. Mexico is very hot right now. So people are down there. People are kicking it. You could probably just go on down and, and link up with some Americans that are, that are down there just looking to get away on some same energy. But I had a great conversation with John on this replay of Firesides with the Travel Guides where we were just discussing everything from best and worst travel experiences. We talked about him losing his passport while he was abroad and kind of the the way of that you can that you can recoup that. We talked about getting dual citizenship as an American citizen and and many other things. So hopefully you guys can chill out on this Monday and without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Travel Guys. So what's going on travelers, everybody travel fam, everybody who's joining. Appreciate y'all tuning in to travel to to Firesides, but with the Travel Guys, jacked up the title there, but it's all good. We have my frat brother, Yo to the Noops, the John Robert in here with us. What's happening, man? How you living? Man, I'm great, man. Enjoying this uh, beautiful weather here in the state of Georgia. In Georgia? Y'all are wilding out down there. So please tell me what's going on down there as I crack my Red Bull for the one time. It's all, all manner of evils, but I'll say, uh, you know, actually for the most part, um, you know, people are abiding by social distancing, the, you know, there's always going to be people in every city, every state who do they want to do, um, you know, but I don't see that as the majority of people, um, you know, as, as the way the media portrays it. Um, so that's, that's my matter, you know. Okay. So you saying you keeping yourself quarantined, uh, regardless of what they tell you. I didn't say that. <laughs> Six, no, nothing more larger than six. Okay, that's yeah. what's up. I'm following similar similar protocol down here in Florida, man. It's um, uh, Florida, man. But it is people folks have been kind of wilding, but not. I think Georgia's taking the cake this time. I think it's uh, it's just more so a uh, a matter of you know. I mean, look, I don't really care what the president says, what the governor says, what the mayor says. I'm not go. I'm not leaving my crib unless it's unless there's a point to it. And that's just the reality of the situation. Like, I just don't really care that much. And plus, I think that we've uh, we've established a new normal where we've been remote from, like, a work standpoint for two and a half months. So, like, I'm not doing that. I am deflating a little bit. So I'm trying to maintain. I've, I've been importing and ordering my gym equipment so I don't have to leave for anything. Fine cooking. I'm chilling. I'm hungered down out here, man. I'm, I'm going to be cooling. Yeah, see, for, unfortunately for me... Living in Orlando prior, I mean, to quarantine in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, I'm furloughed, so okay, the hotels, you know, hotel industry, uh, which oh man, travel, um, you know, we are hurting seriously, mm-hmm. so um, you know, I, I'm good, man, I'm, I'm enjoying life, I'm making the most out of it, you know. I have some great friends here, so we hang out, play cards, do the normal things. So I'm not, I'm not going too crazy. I am going to actually uh, sit in a restaurant, though, for a time. How are you feeling about that? I don't have any qualms because I, I picked a five-star restaurant. So Ooh, well, come on, Flex. <laughs> I, I assume that, uh, you know, just because of the conversation I had with them, they they taking this very seriously, and they're gonna make sure that they maintain their um, 
reputation as a reputable establishment. Okay. So, you know, I'm fine with, you know, eating there. I'm not, you know, going to every, you know, little corner, diving and drive, but I'll definitely go, um, you know, there. Okay, cool. Let me, so... I'm curious. So one, um, when is when is the dinner? When is your birthday? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it's coming up. Coming up quick. Uh, so happy early birthday. And then, secondly, can you share anything with us? Like for being in the hotel industry, lodging is obviously. I mean, air, airlines and lodging are what a lot of the people who are tuned into this care about. So, can you give some insight, just as how, just as far as how the hotel industry is rebounding, of what the plans are moving moving forward will be. So the interesting thing about the hotel industry is really on, there's so many layers to it. So most people don't know that I would say 90% of all assets are financed. So when you go stay at a Marriott, Marriott most likely does not own that hotel. Mm. And Marriott, uh, they've paid them to have the name on the building. They have to abide by certain standards and things um, to re- to maintain a Marriott status and uh, or you could lose your flag. Okay. But it's kind of on a case scenario and it, depending on who owns your hotel. So, for example, I actually work for, my hotel is a Marriott hotel, but I actually work for a company called Oral Hospitality, okay. which is a Marengo stuff. And um, prior to, you know, COVID-19 at its peak, you know, Mary had, had already closed hotels that they owned and had furloughed their employees. Our company didn't take that stance. They kind of waited to see what was going to happen, see how um, the hotels fluctuated in occupancy, and they made decisions on a hotel um, basis in cases by state. And example of that, with Georgia opening early, we've seen a spike in travel in our hotels in Atlanta, so they weren't slated to reopen until July, but because we've seen them spike, they pushed the opening to June 1st. Oh, okay. In Florida, where I'm from, that's not the case. In Florida, we're losing occupancy, um, and I think that's really having to deal with people who thought this would be over by now, have reservations, didn't cancel, trying to wait it out. Wanted to go to Disney or Universal and right. seeing that they're not open anytime soon yeah. without you know canceling those reservations. So I really think it's a case it's a case by case scenario. I mean, it, it depends on the, the hotel, the location of the hotel. Airport hotels are doing much better. Uh, hotels that may be at a amusement park or attraction because those attractions are closed, but airports are still open. Um, you know, depending on the kind of business you have, you know, some hotels have a lot of crew. The crew, having crew, has helped them survive the pandemic because they have a, a customer base. It's a really, you know, a unique situation to each hotel. But I will say is that the way we do business is going to change in many ways that we have yet to even learn. Okay. I know a lot of chains have started in key access with your room, with your phone, and I think that's going to become something that's going to be. I know Marriott has already mandated. But I think you're going to find that every hotel, every brand mandates that. And that's just going to be an easy way right there from having cross-contamination with the keys, you know. So there's going to be a thing where, you know, most people have to get smartphones. And for those who don't have smartphones, we'll still have some keys. But I can definitely see the industry going away from having 
um, you know, key, you know, key entry by a normal key, but just doing phone entry. So, you know, buffets, you know, I think that's going to reshape cool. the, all the way we think. We'll enjoy going to like a spring of sweets or a Hampton Inn because it's a full spread. You know, and I think that's really going to, we have a lot of restarting, rethinking, rebranding to do. And that's, I don't think there's one answer and I don't think we know all the answers. And I think there'll be some margin and some error as we open hotels back up and try to figure out the right way to still provide the uh, level of service that our guests are accustomed to, but still uh, a level of protection for our employees and then also our guests. Okay. I think, so I'm somebody who, one, loves breakfast, two, is a Marriott loyalist, and so I'm very familiar with the with the buffets and, and definitely enjoy that as a, uh, I, I have always awakened early to get down and make sure I'll get there before, before 9.30, before they, before they clearing everything out. Um, but I have, in my experience, I will be, I've, I've been, you know, I have an iPhone, as I know a lot of people do, Um I'm not going to make a snide remark about droid users, but I'm just saying I have been, I've stayed in many a Marriott where that has not been uh, allowed at that point. Like the mobile key, like even the check-in, I'll check in and then I'll still have to check in when I get there and whatnot. So I would be very happy to, uh, you know, to have the the mobile access as well. So I'm glad. I think, uh, personally, I think that this is pushing a lot of tech forward solutions on the industry, which I think in, in the long term will only help to uh, to better it. Yeah, so one of the things with Marriott, Marriott has mandated that everyone, um, at the beginning of the year, that everyone had, you know, the key ability, mobile key available by the end of this year. Um, okay. I know some things got pushed back with hotels being closed and that having the business to support to pay for it. But I do see that as I do see that as something where they'll say that this is going to be definitely necessary to have to help, um, just on one level to you know alleviate some risk, spreading you know germs to another person. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now you now we met last year at the at the Vuv Clico Polo Day. Say I see said tripping in here. See said in here as well. So what's happening to said? But I know we all we, you know we're able to we're able to kick it there. It's supposed to be this weekend. Do you have any plans to mimic? Are you gonna have you gonna get a bottle of Vuv on chill like in your crib or anything? I I gotta call my partner in crime said. Cause I have to be down for some foolishness. We'll find out some drop, uh, some full, some foolery to get dressed up with some blue bottles and uh, take some pictures. Oh no, man! Hey, have a stand in. Just tag me next to y'all. I plan to watch. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. They posted. So how are you? Those are one of those events that uh, I, I, that was my first time going last year. I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Uh, and, or anytime I can get dressed up um, and just see, you know, the great thing about that, that there's a lot of, you know, African black people represented. Melanin was definitely popping. And just to see people dressed so well, no drama, no fights, right. having a good time. You know, um, you know that, that doesn't make the news. But uh, we know that that exists. And so I am uh, a little disheartened that we can't have that event this year. But at the same time, I understand why. That's real. I will say, Sad saying it's been rescheduled June 6th. That's a little soon for me, my brother. I don't know. 
Oh, it was scheduled. Sorry, sorry, my bad. I miss, I misunderstood. So I feel like I will say because that was my second one, and I went to one out in L.A. and then the one in New York, and the one, in, the one in New York, totally different, totally different, man. I mean, it was to your point, very, very melanin heavy. I walked in and heard, I want to say I heard Gucci, and I was like. I was, I was like, oh, this is different, different. Because when we went to, we were out in L.A., it was cool, like, but it was very much more, like, representative of the demographic of the world, I would say. And we had, like, we were represented, but it wasn't like, we didn't have more than our fair share, which I definitely, like, you know, loved and whatnot. But it was definitely, it's, it's a different situation, which I, I personally really appreciate. I really wanted to get to one in, um, in South Africa. It's almost like, Family, family reunion meets church picnic. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, at the anniversary, anniversary picnic, right after church. <laughs> like, you know, it's definitely, definitely uh, you know, we gentrified it. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> it's like the reverse gentrification. I think, uh, so... So you're an avid traveler, man. You you've been all around. I know I posted even when we were promoing this stuff or the, this uh, the firesides. We had we had you on Victoria Falls hitting the thinking man, like looking over over the cliff. How are you thinking about travel post Rona? Because I know I've, I've had some conversations um, where you know a lot of folks are are looking to understand like how they should when they should feel comfortable traveling and whatnot. And I think uh, a, a lot of folks, you know, as we are getting more people out they are still looking for you know guidance on on when when it would be appropriate and prudent for them to start booking travel and and where so i don't know if you have any insight on that so you know i i believe with that answer it's really about your own personal comfort if i could go somewhere right now i would be there today <laughs> um and that's just because my thought process is a little different and some people may think my thought process is foolish, but I, I believe, you know, COVID-19 is not a U.S. issue, it's an international issue. So, I told someone I'd rather get it in Bali than in Baltimore. So, <laughs> that is a word. That's, that's, um, I would definitely, before I book a flight, you know, do the research on that, that country that you're going to, to see if they're allowing international travel. Yep. I know some countries have They've only opened up to people who have passports or natives to those countries. Um, you know, that'd be the first thing I would do. I would, you know, see, look at the airlines, see what the requirements they are setting forth versus your comfort level. I know some airlines were saying that they were going to have you want to sit in the middle seat. I've heard a lot of different things, and I really believe that no one has the answer um, as it relates to, you know, the airlines and just travel in general. It's really a, a big question mark. Um, but I would say just be smart, you know, the same way that you go to the grocery store, the same way you go to the airport, in my opinion. Yeah. I would be longer lines for the point of social distance. But someone who, like me, who likes to show up to the airport 30 minutes before a flight, days are over. <laughs> um, I would advise that, especially the first, you know, few months being acclimated and finding out what the changes are. I would give yourself a lot of time. Some people are even predicting four hours before your, your flight time. Um, I know I'm not going to do four hours. I just, that's just not You're right. <laughs> not for you. Two will be, you know, a stretch. But I'll do two just to be, you know, because I want to get where I'm going. So I think that's the that's my advice, you know. Be smart. Do your research on mission. The last thing you want to do is get to a country and not be um, allowed through customs because 
you didn't you know follow the proper protocol, or they may have a fourteen day they may allow you know foreigners in, but they have a fourteen day quarantine process that you have to sit through. So you know if you only had fourteen days, then you just spent fourteen days sitting in a room. Exactly. I, I say on a case to case basis and do your research before you go anywhere. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm somebody to your to your point who is definitely I prefer to get to the gate and not stop moving and just walk straight on to the to the to the flight. I do think those days are over. I'm curious where the check-in will come into play because you know previously they they tell you to get to the if you're flying internationally to get there two hours ahead of time but that's typically a check-in so if you're not checking any bags and you've already got your boarding pass you can just breeze on through in the same like 30 minutes before the flight situation um but I'm I'm just I'm curious man because I've heard that four hour thing as well I also saw um, that flights have started to pick back up so people are starting to encounter these you know these more stringent regulations I foresee myself getting in on the on the earlier side initially just because I have felt the sadness <laughs> that comes with uh, not not getting there in time and missing a flight and also showing up ill prepared uh, have not been held in customs but have showing up to the airport without a passport so that was equally you know equal cases of the blues there so i'm i'm curious to see how it will uh how it'll change but i think that's i think that's fair advice um in i talked about in the last last travel guys episode it looks like the the i'm looking at south america central america and africa because as like bodies of land those are the ones with the fewest cases um not to say that there are some countries there's not some country variants but the popular destinations it seems like that's where you could you could be easy um i also i'm curious how much to even trust those numbers though because people are lying about the testing and you know i i just i don't know so to your point i think common sense prevails as far as practicing good hygiene i've been a germaphobe for my entire life so i have not i have a general distrust of people and wash my and their cleanliness so i've been washing my hands i've been sanitizing my hands washing my phone down doing everything so you know to your point i think rather catching it in bali rather catch it in bali than baltimore is a word and will probably be the title of this episode in all reality now you had you had an uh, an interesting story about losing your passport actually when you were already abroad. So I gotta hear about that. I gotta know what happened there. So actually, it was this time last year. Um, I had planned a trip to Turkey and to Greece, and so um, I was going to Istanbul and to Cappadocia prior to meeting my friends and. Um, Athens, Greece, and then we were going to Mykonos and Santorini in Athens. So um, basically what happened, I got through customs, arrived in Istanbul on my connection to go to Cappadocia because there's no direct flight. And they asked me for my passport prior to, so I don't know why they again at the gate, but they did. And so I took it out and I had a seat in the front, so I was sitting down, like put my stuff away. And I fell asleep with my passport in my hand. Oh, no. And so it fell out my hand and went between the seats. So I didn't know anything. I get to my, my hotel and I'm like, can we see your passport? And I'm like, sure. And I was like, oh my God, where's my passport? You cannot find it. Oh, no. So basically, I was, I was good at that time because I still had two days in Cappadocia. So I was like, well, 
I'm fine, and then I'm going to Istanbul, so like I'll be fine traveling within the country, but when it's time for me to leave, this is going to be an issue. Right. So I didn't really sweat it because I figured it was going to turn up. So I had a good time, got to do like the whole hot air balloon thing, um, ride a camel, all the cool stuff. Fast forward, now I get to Istanbul, and I'm like, all right, a little more pressure because I'm not supposed to be here for a day and a half. Okay. So I need to get my, my passport because I need to leave tomorrow. So I arrived on Friday and I like looked up on Google, you know, the American consulate. They said it was open on Saturday. So I wake up right out when she tell me when it goes to the consulate, it is closed. Oh no. They are closed, closed on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> hey, so then I like, and I like, was like having a nervous breakdown, kind of, sort of, and I was like, oh my goodness, like what am I going to do? I'm supposed to be going to Mykonos. And I gave myself, you know, 30, 30 minutes to have a pity party. <laughs> then I, you know, I was like, Jonathan, you are a world traveler. You're in a, a country you've never seen before, a, a amazing city. Go out, enjoy yourself for these extra two days. Go get a photographer or whatever. Have dinner. It's your birthday. Turn up, and then go to the consulate on Monday. Get your passport and fly out. So that's what I did. Had an amazing time. That's dope. You know, went out, had a dinner, had hookah, got me a steak, got drunk, uh, <laughs> and just lifted up. So. Fast forward, I get to the consulate the next time that Monday, and I'm like, okay, you know, my passport, I can't find it, it's missing, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, I've called the airlines four or five times, no one's reported it, anything. Dang, man. So, I get to the consulate, they give me a new path, they're like, okay, we'll supply you, and they want to come back in, you know, three and a half hours. So, I'm like, okay, go back. let me go book a flight now, so I can get to Mykonos to meet my friends. So, I book a flight, and I get a phone call from uh what's the airlines because i hate them i get a phone call from basically telling me oh we have your passport and we see that you just booked a flight out of the airport um so you could come grab it on your way out so you ended up finding it so i call i'm like call the consulate like hello i just came i found my passport you know is it too late you know i don't mind if you start to charge me the money but what happened was i would i lost passports in my apartment and uh, told me that I was going to get a new passport every year because they gave me a temporary until that I was able to be responsible with my passport and there's no discount in the price the temporary passport is 200 just like the regular passport is so I'm like 250 yes bro that's like, crazy until you know that your passport it was basically the US government put me on punishment <laughs> I was about to say they put you on punishment <laughs> Like somebody's mom and so you know how to do right. <laughs> so I hate I'm like, how can I get a Canadian passport? How can I find like another country to get a passport in? Because I'm like, there's no way in the world that I'm about to give US two hundred and fifty dollars every year. Up to ten years, bro. Like you could be on probation. Nah, so bro. It's like absolutely crazy. So um so yeah, that was that. So I ended up getting that passport back, but it was too late because they had already processed my new passport. That sucks. So, uh, I was very pissed off to say the least. Because with the airline, I'm, I'm like, why would you wait till Monday? If I lost my passport on Thursday, it's Monday. You just call me. He's like, well, we hold on to them, and then Monday we 
call people because we're going to be turning into customs. I'm like, but sir, you have my information because I took the flight with you guys. You should have put the data you found. Absolutely. Passport. You should have called me. What airlines? Who's the airline? Yeah, we need we need the airline, bro, because that's like that's crazy. Twenty five hundred dollars over ten years is insane, bro. It was like Pegasus or something. Pegasus airline. Or okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. It sounds like they're trash. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy, man. See, I, lo- I lost one, but it was it definitely wasn't like that. I lost one when I was like I was a I was fourteen and like and lo- and found it years later. It's just a relic, something that I have. But I know that they can limit, like they can play games with you like that when you do lose your your passport. In, the, in, the, in terms of like limiting the, the number you can get, I'm, I'm surprised. I guess that's the other side of the coin as far as making you get a new one every year at 250. Um, I saw said say, you know, it could have been a lot more. I think they, they could have taxed you like that as well. But I also did not imagine that it would be an every year type of situation that they would ostensibly put you on punishment for all intents and purposes. Luckily, um, that passport was about to expire because I just got back from because it, it only had a certain amount of pages so I was afraid I used that out Flex. That like, <laughs> and so you know certain countries you have to have at least four pages to go to so when I left this year to go to Fiji, Auckland Australia and um, the French Polynesian I was like I need to get a new one so when I went to get a new one they gave me a full tenure I was like, I mean, a temporary one? It was like, no, because you held on to this for like six months. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so it's fake punishment. It's fake punishment. Punishment. And I guess I've been to enough countries at that point because I still had one to like maybe six or seven countries after that. So they figured I could hold on to it. So I didn't have to do the whole every year re-up. But that's what they told me, and so I was grateful that I didn't have to deal with that. That's wow. So you meant, you said something that stuck out to me because I think especially now knowing that in a ironic turn of events, the U.S. may be persona non grata in some countries. Like I'm curious, you mentioned with Canada getting a Canadian passport. Is that something that we can actually do? Or like how? What is that process? Um, I, I literally just scratched the surface because I was upset. <laughs> I think you definitely have to get citizenship first. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I've definitely considered getting citizenship in another country. Dealing with the plight of being a black man in the U.S. Say that. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, you know, that explains itself. So there's definitely something where I believe there are some people who have one on one passport that allows them to flow and go different places. Um, that you know, just American passports alone don't right. have access. Which we have pretty, really good access as American passports. That makes sense. That makes sense. What did you think of of New Zealand and Australia when you went? I loved it, man. Um, I want to go back to Australia because it's like, well, it's a continent, right? So it's like huge. Right. And uh, I'm a huge tennis fan. And so part of my travel experience connected to my dad. Both my parents were missionaries. Mm. So uh, I took my first mission trip. I was like 14 years old um, to the UK. So travel has always been like an intricate part of my life and very important part of my life. My parents always wanted me to have a global perspective of the world. So when I went to Australia, also um, got a chance to go to the Australian Open, which I'm a tennis fan. That's something that uh, my dad, you know, and I shared. You know, he was a huge tennis fan about me to kind of 
honor him. He never made it to the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. So it was just like an amazing uh, scene. And to see that as a cultural event for the country. Right. Um, you know, there's the U.S. Open, and the U.S. Open was fun. But the Aussie party, man, like, literally people were, like, buying tickets just to, like, hang out in the common area and getting drunk and trash and just having a good time. <laughs> so I got to see the golf play. Um, you know the teenage phenom, and then I got to see uh, Water Fed, uh, Federer. So I got to see some of. It was a good time. New Zealand was very a cool adventure because it was very outdoorsy. Um, I went to I can't remember, remember the beach, but it's on my page. There's a beach where basically, if you dig in the water at a certain time, it literally creates hot pools. So you can like literally have water hot enough to burn yourself. Wow. So that was cool because we were able like to dig it up and like really make a pool um, because the hot pools are underneath. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. Yeah, that's um, So that that was cool. Just the outdoors of like New Zealand. It was very different than like my normal like sea life travel. Right. You make me feel like I need to go back, brother. We just got back over. Uh... Thanksgiving, and I had already, when we got over that, bro, I think we were over there for like maybe 12 hours. I was like, this is ambitious to have like 10 days and try to do all of New Zealand and all of Australia. And granted, we weren't trying to do everything, but like to even get enough, it was just, it just wasn't enough. I mean, even we, we very quickly realized that we should have allocated more time to New Zealand. Because uh, we were only in Auckland, but didn't get down to Queenstown. And then when we went to Australia, we stayed on the eastern part of the island as opposed to getting o- over to the west. You know what I'm saying? To I wanted, to, I, luckily I did get to see a quokka, but I wanted to go to like the little the beach where they're famous, where they can just come up and like you can pet them and you can like kick it with them. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I didn't get there either, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's that's what's up, man. So tell me, this is my last question for you. When um, what, I need I need a story of your worst or if you are going to be diplomatic about it your least favorite travel experience and why that's really hard so i honestly don't have a worst travel experience <laughs> i feel like the me losing my passport was my worst experience and that was you know my fault um there hasn't been a country that i haven't enjoyed okay why is that like what do you look for in a country that like makes it more favorable or less favorable for you like what are you what are you looking to get out of your different travel experiences the, the thing for me is i go into every experience with a blank palette okay you said you don't really have expectations my first solo trip i didn't have expectations um you know like i for example if you know i'm going to rome right i know what i'm going to see at rome right right so, like i know the coliseum is there i know XYZ, but like I didn't know how the people would be. I didn't know like how the I heard the food was good, but that's something that could be objective, subjective, and objective to like what you like, you know. So, right. If you used to your grandma putting um, ketchup on your spaghetti, then you might not like spaghetti in Rome. Like, <laughs> gross. <laughs> so you know, every time I go to a new country, I go with like a blank palette. No perceived notion of what they are, what they do. I go looking to learn. I think that helps me enjoy all my experiences because I don't go, oh, this is supposed to be how it's supposed to be. You know, I've never, the the great thing is I've like never encountered racism as I travel. You know, 
I've never in, like never been robbed, never had like any bad ex- you know. When I was in Turkey that same trip where I lost my passport, I got locked out of my Airbnb for uh <laughs> six hours. Oh my goodness. <laughs> At, At what part of the day? At night. At night. Oh man. Yes, yes. And this was after had this was after like dealing with the whole passport thing. Um, I didn't know, I didn't book a hotel because I didn't know if I was going to be able to make the flight in time. Okay. Because literally, by the time I booked my flight, it was like at six, I had to pick up the flight at four. And then Newport is like an hour and a half away. So, like, I was pushing it. Right. So, I didn't book it. I'll wait till I land. So, when I land, I booked a last minute um, Airbnb and the keys were like full speed. So, I got into the apartment perfectly fine. I was hungry. I was like, let me go find some food. So, when I left to go find food, got back. Had my food, I was like, I'm about to smash, like, relax and just take a nap, wake up and see the city. Like, I could not get the door open. And oh, no. Like, and even I called the people who owned the Airbnb, they could not get it open for the longest. And so finally, I gave it the old, you know, knock if you buck, <laughs> you know, push. Right. And I was just like, it opened up. And everybody was like, all right, well, you good? I'm good. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so everybody needed to sleep. I'm grateful I had bad experiences. Um, my favorite experience outside of just going to Africa, I went to four countries. My favorite, my favorite, or my aha moment, I really enjoyed China. And I know a lot of black people feel different about China. Yeah. But I tell people China was like the first time I felt appreciated by people who didn't look like me. Okay. Um, and, and it wasn't even like about them trying to take pictures or talking to me, but they were just like small and uh, things that happened while I was there, like once when I went to Shanghai, like I was in paths, like I was like walking through, um, like authentic, like you know Shanghai, and I found myself at a place where like I had to walk through like some woods, and there was like this building, and inside the building it was like an older Chinese gentleman, and he didn't know me before he came to paint, right? But like saw me, his face looked like a Christmas tree, like he was like. Oh my goodness, like he had saw like a lost love relative and he was like waving to me and like he spoke to me and I don't know what he said and I spoke to him and like it was just like one of those moments where I really felt like I connected with the hmm. culture. It was one of those moments where I feel like, you know, sometimes we dumb moments down with words and because we didn't have those to use because we didn't speak the same language, we connected on another level that was even more powerful than us knowing what each other said. Like and hmm. so for me the ultimate experience. And I think China also was like the trip that, for lack of a better word, kind of introduced me to the whole like black travel through my China trip because like my post from the like uh, my Great Wall picture and I also had a picture while I was wearing traditional Chinese garb. Okay. Like, like being reposted everywhere, and I didn't even know that was like really a thing. Yeah. Like I had no like you know I'm thinking like these are like people these are you know. Major personalities, yeah. These are, you know, so when it when it happened for me, I'm like, oh, like, okay, like I'm lit, right? (laughs) A lot of people, that's kind of was like my arrival to the black travel community when people like started paying attention and noticing me, and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool, like this is this is a thing. I didn't even realize it was a thing. It was me just kind of I enjoy doing and falling into it, and I tell the people that all the time, like I never saw myself as an influencer or like, you know, this black travel guru. It was just like, I enjoy doing this and that happened to be a byproduct of it. Yeah. 
I think that so one before I comment, uh wanna say that the is the is the pic posted on your page still? Yes. Yes. Okay. It may it may catch back uh you know, we recycling content right now. <laughs> Heavy recycle. <laughs> Um, so a few thoughts on what, on every on things that you said. I saw I saw there was a comment in the or there was a it was what comment that mentioned the majority of the <laughs> racist encounters or unpleasant experiences have been in the states. I would definitely agree with that. I think also I was in your your camp as far as having like very being having the the privilege and the um, and the and the well fortune of having a lot of positive experiences abroad. I think I, I didn't encounter my first like true racist situation until uh, most recently, my, my last trip before quarantine when I was in Turks and Caicos and that was like, that was kind of eye-opening to me because I had just never really dealt with that. I also say that with some privilege because I'm not a, a target a lot, of, a lot of places that I go. So I think that's that, but I'm always on guard. So I think if I was even in your situation in China where somebody who where I was walking through in some woods and I saw a man whose face lit up like I would have thought that uh that he thought he hit a lick or something like that like I, I would have probably freaked out a little bit uh so good for you for for embracing that but I, I think that's I think that's I think that's dope like just overall the fact that you were able to to get out there I will say the the black travel movement is like I, I just love it, man. I, I, I there is there are a few things that bring me more joy than seeing black and brown faces outside of outside the country. That's it. And just broadening horizons and truly being like our ancestors' wildest dreams. So like I just I truly enjoy it. So um, and more more so moreover I should say, connecting with those who are doing it. That's why like I, I really relish the fact that we were able to connect in person and with Sid and with, with all the, the ladies and whatnot when we were out there uh, in that crew and we just were able to have a, have a you know, just just fellowship and, and, and share stories and whatnot. Um, so I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you coming coming on, on Firesides as Travel Guys today, man. Can't wait to, to see you once this all blows over. Happy birthday. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram, the John Robert. I'm working on a website now. Set nothing but time. Yeah, that's that's basically pretty pretty simple. No matter. Working on YouTube, getting my content um, over there. So it's it's a lot of work, man. People don't realize that to do things at a at a rate of excellence that I think requires and a standard that I've kind of created for myself. I just don't haphazardly do things. So if I'm gonna do it, I need to do it and make sure that it represents me in a positive light. So I agree. You know. Well, to that point, and this is the last question before I'm about to let everybody know that they can subscribe to the Travel Guys if they haven't on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Where you mentioned having I had to drop that in. You saw how you mentioned earlier that you will sometimes get photographers where you go. Yeah. How, tell me, talk to, talk to me about that process of finding a photographer in a non English speaking country. Um, so it's really really easy. There's a couple ways you can go about it. Um, lucky for me, I have a huge travel family, and so a lot of times I can lean on them because they have been maybe to a place that I'm going to, so we kind of will exchange information, whether that's drivers, photographers, hotels, whatever the case may be, experiences. Um, but you, one of the things I've noticed uh, on Airbnb experiences, they have tons of photographers nice. now to like, set up a photo shoot with. Um, you can, and what I do is, because I also want to make sure that like 
the person is legit and they're gonna give the same quality that I that people come to expect from like you know their Instagram, you know, see the shoots that they've done. And I may even reach out to them on Instagram. You can uh, get their prices down because they have money to Airbnb. Nice. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> um, so at the middleman, you know, you can work with them a little, you know. And they may have a tour where they do like some sites you don't see. Like, hey, I don't want to see those sites. Let me link up with you. Let's go to XYZ. So that's been my easiest way to find them uh, through Instagram and through the Airbnb experience. And then just using my travel fan and using, you know, people don't realize that having someone who knows how to photograph black people is is actually a real thing. Yeah. You know? Lighting, composition, all now. So that the color looks right, that they don't wash this out, they can truly don't look pale. Those are important. So just because someone's a dynamic photographer doesn't mean that they're going to be great on melanin skin. So I think that's important too. So uh, that's usually how I go about it. That's dope. I see a lot of comments and questions about it. Ballpark price for, for the photographer on the road. Depends on the country. Um, for example, as you have the air balloon experience, they want like $250. <laughs> How long? Because they're they're so they because literally the the air balloons happen twice in a day. There's like okay. five thirty segment, seven thirty segment, and then they're done. And the other thing is with the air balloons, they go typically two or three days where the weather doesn't permit them to fly. So then you have people backed up. So there and because of our Asian friends now have jacked up the prices as they go everywhere, right? So. Airblown experiences could be under four hundred and fifty dollars at at time. So I always try to negotiate. I pay you know forty and sixty dollars. I would say average is about right. Okay. Depending on how how many outfit changes you want to do, how many um, hours you want to spend. You know, I usually spend about two to three hours. And one of the things that I find cool is uh, sometimes I will go to a city and spend three hours with a photographer and go to all the places that I want to see, get the capture the picture, and then go back and like enjoy the experience. Okay. Like, this tool you said, oh, get the picture, we got it, we get all the looks done, all right, now we can go and enjoy the culture and, and just chip sometimes as well. So it depends, 40 to $60 on average, but it can get everything on how unique the experience and what country you're in and availability. Like Seychelles, I heard two fifty, three hundred dollars easily because Seychelles is just not a lot of I believe it. That's what's up, man. Well, I appreciate you, brother. You have been dropping gems left and right. Yo to the noobs. Thank y'all for tuning in, and we, we will be posting this on the on the travel guys. I am backed up with all these travel guys, these uh, these fireside episodes. So I'm about to do a massive drop of just like five episodes on the on the podcast. So please stay tuned. Um, again, you can follow us at the travel guys. You can follow me at GQ50, obviously, because you are here. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Travel Guys. Remember, your next adventure is just a click away. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Here we go.